Welcome to Level 7, Episode 143, Agent Carter, Season 2, Episodes 8 and 9, The Edge of Mystery, and A Little Song and Dance. Welcome to Level 7. Cast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome once again to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben. Ben Avery. And I'm here because I am going to talk about Agent Carter Two episodes. ABC has done it to it to us once again. There is one more episode after this one, unlike what I had said before. But yeah, here we are. Almost done. I've been joined by another agent. Dandy Daniel Butcher. That's the one. I'm and so confused, Ben. You promised me a week off. Uh huh. It's it's like you've got me in a sweatshop of podcasting. Uh, strictly speaking, the week off that I promised you is next week, so there really shouldn't be any confusion. But well, yeah, but I mean, I here I am. You're you're getting me to podcast like a man out of control. Before you know it, I'll be doing something with Jessica Jones. Uh, you mean before you know it, as in our next episode? Yeah. 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 Probably. Mm-hmm. Unless we re-record that bit again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not planning to edit that out. I was planning on waiting until the end of the episode to actually say it, you know, like as a teaser for next time. But who says teasers can't happen at the beginning of something? So, yeah, you know, this is a, this is like a Tarantino movie. We're, we're doing the cliffhanger right now here at the very beginning. No, I'd hate to see someone get spoiled. <laughs> well, next episode of Welcome to Level 7 will be Jessica Jones, uh, WWJD. So that's where we're at with that. And next episode after that will be the the season finale of Agent Carter. And as part of that season finale, I think we should talk about another series finale. <laughs> I see what you're doing. You mean uh, what we promised for the post credits of this episode being the season finale of Heroes Reborn? It's been a busy week, man. <laughs> <laughs> and the really sad thing is there's many things that I'd much rather watch and did, including Legends of Tomorrow from last week. Yeah, I watched Legends of Tomorrow from last week uh, while I was installing a toilet. Well, that's because you're a real man. You're handy. I was. I was. You know what they say. If the women don't find you handsome, make sure they find you handy. Yeah. You don't yeah. know that, though, do you? No, I'm handsome. No, I mean that 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 reference is lost on you. No, I've I've heard it before. I, yeah. I'm just saying I'm I'm handsome. Yeah. So I'm just I'm, saying that we are here not to talk about the Red Green Show, but about Agent Carter. And I think it's time for us to do that. Do we have any news? Uh, well, I didn't see anything. Well, I mean, let's play the sounder and find out. And if I can find that, I think it's this one. SSR Intelligence Report. We don't have any I mean, news. 
Deadpool's getting all the monies. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 Superman no, and Batman no, are getting an R-rated cut. No, no, no. Big, big, big news. Big, big news. Yeah. Oh, they've announced who Martin Freeman is. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't call that big news, but it Dude, is. Dude, this is massive news. Well, it's not the news I was hoping for. It's also not it's the news the, that one of our exactly listeners news. was hoping for. It's exactly the news I was hoping for. Oh, really? Yes. I'm in the middle of Black Panther by Priest right now, Volume 2. And mm-hmm. Everett Ross is... I just feel like Martin Freeman could play him. I really do. Fair enough. So, uh, Martin Freeman is confirmed to be Everett Ross, a character in the uh, comic books who is uh, attached to Black Panther. So, I think we can expect to see uh, Freeman making a second appearance in, uh, we'll see him in Black Panther. And and I'll be honest, it's a really, really interesting juxtaposition with the Ross and T'Challa relationship in the comics and so yeah let's let's bring it forth um yeah uh agent john on on the facebook he said he was hoping for henry peter garich garich yeah uh i i think that would have been a nice uh a nice character from no, he, re- he's not and I, i'm telling you ben well, you gotta read some everett ross it's interesting stuff okay hey he, you know it's comedic this is a man. Can I give you a spoilers? Yeah, sure, sure. Manifesto made a deal with him that he'd always have pants at one point, and he had never-ending pants. Never-ending. The pants just kept coming. Try to take the pants off. There's pants. <laughs> that's kind of funny. It is. It that's the sort of stuff that happens to Everett Ross. Everett Ross is very, very put upon. Very much at times makes bad decisions. Um, and if you were going to look at a character who's having issues living in a superhero world, Everett Ross is a character that will do that for you. Sounds like they found the right cast casting for that then. Oh, I'm telling you. I, Freeman would be great in this. Freeman, I, I'm just going to throw it out there. He He's he's a favorite actor of mine. Well, I really, really like him a I think lot. he's going to pull off Everett Ross beautifully. Congratulations, Everett Ross. You've been MCU'd. Hey, can I give you some more news? Uh, I'm going to give you some news. Oh. Are you ready? Yeah. Marvel's Most Wanted. <gasps> Official That's description. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can I read it? Yes. Okay. All right. Wait, can um, I do a little music while you do it? I'll do it really quietly, though. You're going to do a little music? Yeah. Are you uh, ready? Uh, okay. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Marvel's Wanted, Studio Marvel Television, Team Jeffrey Bill, Rob, oh, Jeff Loeb, Logline. It's the A-Team. That was what I was going to say. That was the joke I was going to go with. So, Centers on Bobby Morse and Lance Hunter of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., two ex-spies and ex-spouses who are on the run with no friends, no S.H.I.E.L.D., and a long list of enemies looking to claim a bounty on their heads, able to trust no one but each other, Bobby and Hunter form an uneasy real alliance an uneasy alliance with Hannibal Faceman <laughs> B.A. Baracus 
and Howling Mad Murdoch. Or uh, Dominic Fortune, a rogue adventurer with a wealth of resources and even more adversaries, who agrees to protect them so long as they help him with his own agenda. These two heroes will help anyone in need, all while trying to uncover the conspiracy that put their own lives in jeopardy. It is definitely the A-team. I love it when a plan comes in together. A in the broadest sense, it's it's that kind of a story. Sounds like, yeah. Sounds like A-team. Me. So happy. Yeah. I liked the A-team. I like it sometimes in small doses. Uh, I'd be interested to see where they take things. But... Uh, obviously, I'd be interested to see where they take things. Question is, are they taking it to series? <laughs> so yeah, that's um, that's Marvel's most wanted. That's uh, I think our news. I believe so, sir. Let's move on. Let's move on and talk about Agent Carter. We are talking about. Oh my goodness, it's almost done. It is. Here it comes. SSR Mission Report. Two episodes and a lot of action. Wow. And a song and dance number. Wow. I, I don't know what happened there. Well, they sang and they danced. That's what happened I just, there. I, I knew that, you know, we were going to see an appearance of a Hydra agent. And I heard it was in a dream sequence. I just didn't realize we were on Broadway. Yeah, it was well choreographed um, and, and strangely weird and yet at the same time unable to look away. It was natural until the singing started with uh, Sousa. Yeah, the Sousa singing. That's it. I, I it didn't sound bad. It just did not sound like him. I or what you would expect his like voice him to sound enough. like. I don't I don't I didn't feel it. I I. I, I didn't feel it matched well, but that's that's just me. We're not even talking about that episode yet, though. Sure. Well, and to me, it's all one episode, and I do think tonight really does work well together as a two-part mini movie. It does. It does. Since we're we're dealing with the issues with with Anna, we're dealing with um, the zero matter and Wilkes test. So it really does. Some episodes don't, but this really did work together. It's just a really long episode. Well, shall we just get into it? Let's do it. Okay. First episode was Edge of Mystery. And for our first act, uh, we start out one year ago. And I'm curious what you think about this scene here. It's New York. It's 1946. And we are back in season one actually seeing some uh, footage from season one. The footage when Jarvis was talking to Carter on the phone. And he also speaks to his disembodied voice of a wife. But then he goes in and actually speaks to her and gets a little little cute moment with her as he tries to explain who Peggy Carter is uh, in the context of, you know, someone that Howard Stark has gotten Jarvis involved with. Well, but we also get to see, you know, the backside of what we didn't see a year ago the benny goodman yep. you know we got to see that boom with that quiet life at home the life that jarvis led before he met peggy um so we get to see that that juxtaposition is that the right word sir 
I would of, go with that word. Sure. Of what life was like before he entered a life of adventure. But you and, also got to see some of the um, the patterns of that life and some of the habits of that life and also the phrase, don't make promises you can't keep. And which is all of these things are going to be coming back to us, which, you know, clearly, I mean, they, they wrote it now, you know, to be able to reference later. But just to know that was going on in the background. I also it was, like a nice that we moment. Get, I also like that we get to see Anna's response to Howard, what she thinks of Howard, and particularly the women that he keeps. Yeah. She clearly does not think much of females who float through Howard's sphere. Right. But Jarvis of how he chooses them. Yeah, Jarvis quickly jumps into uh Carter's defense here. I don't think she's like the others cuz he actually seems to respect her. So that which is kind well, of a poor showing on Howard to be honest. He well, deserves it though. Obviously. I mean, he's yeah. He he he's not the most progressive of men when it comes to male female relationships. And this is also you get to think about it. these are the probably the two people in the world that know Howard the most. And here they're very honest about his flaws. Well, this is them. I mean, they're alone. They've probably had lots of conversations about this man and how he acts and and yeah. So we go from there to today where Jarvis is visiting Anna and he's trying to get Benny Goodman on the radio. Can't get it. Um He's emotionally, he's, he's just wrecked and Peggy comes in. There's a slight conversation, but basically there's the doctors have said, they don't know if she's going to wake up, but she is alive and she seems to be stable. And Peggy is going to go back to Stark's place to get Jarvis some clothes and just, you know, cause that's where he belongs. He, he needs to be with, with Anna. And so then we kind of, in this first segment here, we kind of just go through and find out where is everybody? Where's Wilkes? He's solid and he's handcuffed and where's frost. She is also solid and she's the one who handcuffed Wilkes. Uh, she's studying him and she's trying to get him to join in on the scientific exploration of what's going on with these two science bros. Yeah. Sousa is at Starks and he's actually looking where the, the blood has been left on, on the driveway. Um, and uh, Peggy arrives and they talk and she has a plan. She's going to trade the uranium rods that Wilkes or that, that Frost wants for Wilkes. And yeah, so then, oh, and Thompson is in London and he's with a former classmate from Cornell. And he's he's there to get a folder of redacted material from MI5 and the materials about an M Carter. This is the dirt that masters asked Thompson to dig up. Well, isn't that convenient? Yeah. So here's where they all are. And I guess the one thing I'm missing here is that we do in this section actually get to see Stark, uh, not Stark, get to see Peggy and Sousa um, go to Manfredi. Uh, is that, is that what his name is? Manfredi? Manfredi. Manfredi. Um, and there's a nice cute little moment where she and, and uh, Sousa, fight some goons in the restaurant portion of a restaurant while uh, Manfredi is with his mother in the kitchen, uh, having their own little argument. 
I think the one thing I want to point out about this segment that we've really skipped over a little bit is Peggy is realizing that Jarvis is in need, needs healing, and is giving some compassion. You know, she's going back to the mansion. Now, she's going to change her clothes, but there's things she needs, and she's skipping over those things because she's going to grab him a jacket and a razor, you know, so he can look like him so that he can kind of put himself back together and be able to face the situation he's in. I think the one question I have is, did he ever get those things? <laughs> he well, she she did go back. Uh, well, but he still looks pretty pretty much unkept. Well, she but up. but he he she got the stuff, but he didn't use it because he kind of went with her right away. Are you no prizing that, Ben? Not no prizing it. That's what actually happened. Um, but I I will say what they've done here in this scene and what they've done at the end of last episode is they really played up that strong. And just very compassionate friendship that the two of them have. And that's they did a nice job with it uh, because now they, coming up yeah. in this episode, they're, they're going to tear it down somewhat. Yeah, you got to build it up to tear it down, baby. And, and they did. They built it up nicely and it was touching. It was it was nice. It was not romantic, which I was so glad that they never went there um, other than maybe a few like hints at what could be, but those hints at what could be didn't, in, in my opinion, show up. So I was, I was glad they kept that as a, here's a strong friendship between a man and a woman who genuinely care about each other. And it, he's in a terrible situation and she is there for him as a close, close friend. And I'll be honest, as somebody who's got several female friends, it feels natural. You know, they there doesn't have to be the time. So many times <coughs> the CW and others <coughs> CW like shows build that in almost unnecessary. It's it's like they don't recognize that there's more than one kind type of, of relationship between men and women in the world. Yeah. But we we get it here. And and this is nice. I mean, Ben, the only tension I feel the only heat is between you and me. Um, yeah, so, uh, anyway, we go from, we come back from the commercial and, uh, Sousa and Carter are given audience by Manfredi and they also give him a veiled threat to get him to deliver a message to Frost. That's the message that they want to make the trade. Um, we get some cute moments with the mom and then from there. We go over back to Frost and and Wilkes, where she's still trying to make him, you know, get in on the research. Lets him read the stuff, uh, and then we go back to Jarvis, who's making all these promises to her, hoping that she'll wake up, and she does. She wakes up, and we have another cute moment. There's there's just a bunch of cute moments here. So, which cute moment moment do you want to talk about from from this this section here? You want to talk about Jarvis and Anna here? Uh, yeah, it didn't it seem just a little bit too much like coincidence to you, Ben. Did what? When she woke that up? She woke up right at that moment. No. Good. Because it wasn't supposed to feel that way, Ben. <laughs> no, it wasn't because he had perfectly good reasons to be there. Yeah, there's no coincidence involved. Uh, and it was nice, you know, it, he's he's making these promises. I promise to get you a Burmese mountain dog. 
I promise to like your brown guardian sweater. Uh, I promise to protect you, know, though, you to my I, dying day. I think as a husband, you probably could feel his pain and his his promises and, you know, almost the feeling. I would give anything mm -hmm. for you to wake up. I don't care what it is. I just want you to be up and awake and with me. And she and does. I think as a husband, understand that. Yeah. And she does wake up. Uh, but this is also a scene where we find out there were some complications. She can't have children. And when he comes in, she asks if anything's wrong. And he says, no, 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 nothing's wrong. You're perfect. And again, it's a, it's a nice moment. It's a character moment for him where he kind of reveals his kind of character. He's going to hide this from her. He's going to not tell her something that would just wreck her right now. And she's not ready to hear it probably right now. She's still, you know, just waking up and, and figuring out what's going on in the first place. Uh, but then it's also him just, even though she doesn't know what he's doing, he's saying, you're perfect. He, I, I still love you. I, I do love you. I'll always love you. And, um, and I think, I think he's being honest there. He doesn't care about their fertility situation. What he cares is he has her. Mm hmm. And so that's that's really the sense that I get there is when he says you're perfect, he means it. You're perfect because you're sitting here and you're talking to me and I have not lost you despite my own errors of judgment. And I'm going to put this out here right now. I think Jarvis and Anna, to me, one of the greatest Marvel cinematic romances. You're going to put that over the Urix? I am. Really? I am. I'm, I'm putting That's it over that. a pretty bold statement there, young man. I am making the bold statement right now. Bold statement has been made. Throwing it out there. I don't know. I really like the Urix. I think part of the problem I have with Anna and, Jar and Edwin is we just didn't see a lot of her at times. She disappeared for a long, long time. Yeah, but now, I understand that with the Urix that... We really only saw her a little bit, but every time we saw her, it was a, it was impactful in all ways. Well, I'll just say, you know, even though we don't see Anna, uh, she's a presence. I'll give you a top five. I'll give you a top five. That's not saying much. What? Uh, top three. <laughs> That's saying a little bit more. Okay. I mean, I, I, I have Captain America and his mighty shield up there pretty high. Okay, so next section. I, I see what you're saying. Um, okay, can we just identify something and let sure. me? I'm gonna say a crazy statement. Yeah, yeah. And I mean crazy. I'm ready for some crazy. Act. Give ready? me some crazy. In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the uh -huh. worst thing that can happen to a woman is a loss of fertility. Ah. Uh, they, I mean, they've done it with two. And, but when you consider how many female characters we have, especially strong female characters. Um, but I'll, See, I'll say this, though. Here's, here's the one thing. And, and I, where did I write this down? It's, it's in a later note. But um, when, when Jarvis is talking to Carter, actually, probably in the next episode, um, you get the impression that while he has 
while uh, someone that he loves has not been lost, someone that he knows who he could have lost has not been lost. I get the impression that he feels like he may have lost someone that he hasn't known, someone that he was meant to love, a child, uh, and that they're they're not going to be able to have that now. Um, well, but and I, the I, thing I, is, well, go ahead. So I've thrown out that statement, and I kept saying it was crazy. I feel like if someone wanted to generalize, they could, but I just feel like it's been played for different beats here. You know what I mean? Well, it has because this is the, a these are two people who are possibly planning to start a family whereas with with uh black widow it was well i can't do that um and i think we hurt because we've come to know them and maybe we've begun to think of them as potential parents because we like them as a couple now can i give you some headcanon uh you you can i i do want to give a a quick follow-up though to some of this because I do know a number of couples, and and you'd be surprised how many couples you don't know. Uh, I, I shouldn't say when I say you'd be surprised. I don't mean literally you, 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 whoever's listening, or Daniel. I'm, I'm, that's a general. It's a surprising amount, but um, couples who do struggle with infertility and and who it is a very, very emotional and very, very um, difficult situation to deal with, and so. It's it's a very real thing, and it's it's I I don't feel like they're they're I don't feel like they're exploiting it uh, quite yet. I, I I do feel like they they are exploring a loss that a couple like Jarvis and, and Anna can have um, without the a death. I I guess is is the, the best way to put it. Um, so yeah, that's 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 my follow up. So what were you gonna say? Um, here's my head cannon. Tony's favorite <laughs> aunt was okay. Anna. Oh. Okay. I think in my mind what happened again, we've we've already seen that Tony named his artificial intelligence after Edwin. Well, maybe he didn't. I mean the name's just Jarvis. Maybe he named it after both of them. But I do think in my head canon, you know, Anna and Edwin were there for Tony and doted on that, uh, doted on him, maybe spoiled him a little bit. Um, and I think he loved them like a, a second set of parents, especially since we know that Maria died at some point. Howard died. I think there was surrogate parents waiting. Yeah, I. I there's definitely was a connection for him to have named it Jarvis. Although maybe he was just keeping the name from, from Howard's security system. You know, that, that original template for the voice was Jarvis. Why not just keep that? Um, yeah. From here, there's a lot of action as, as we were getting ready for this mission. Now, uh, Carter and Sousa and Samberly are preparing to figure out how they are going to get Wilkes back um, Jarvis tells them he wants to come. He wants to make sure that Frost is going to pay. They're all interrupted uh, by Stark's Telex machine uh, and design specifications for a gamma radiation cannon are coming from Stark. Where is he? Venezuela? Is that Peru. 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 Um, the other thing that happens is Thompson comes along 
and he shows this file with the war crimes that M. Carter, Margaret uh, Carter, may have been involved in. And yeah, I mean, Thompson's just kind of globe hopping. He's London to, to L.A. and New York in there, but um, yeah. So then they go. He's using that big Hydra money. Yeah, and so then um, they go to take the rods to Frost. And we said rods. They have uh, Frost and Manfredi, Freddie, Manfredi, Manfredi have have a moment together where he says that mark on your face is nothing to be ashamed of. That's power, and so she doesn't hide it anymore. She's just got this mark thing going on, and and I'm mad at him about this. Why? Because she's not going to wear a mask. Because we need the mask. But we I think we're MCUing the mask. I think the mask is going to end up being somehow zero matter or something like that. You need the mask. Well, it has to happen. And we only have I, one more but, episode for it to happen if it's going to happen. But I do see this scene and I do think he really does care for her in a way that, that Chadwick never did. And she seems to care for him or at least is responding to him caring for her. Because she seems genuine with him. She doesn't seem to be manipulating him. She appreciates what he's saying. She yeah, likes to hear this. You might argue that the reason he's there and attracted to her now is because, as he said, that's a mark of power, and he knows power. But, I mean, even when Chadwick and her came to visit, he was clearly upset. I mean, that's why I beat up that guy yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So. So they make a trade. The rods are fake, though. I'm going to just say it now. Man, Freddie and Whitney, top three romances in the Marvel oh, Cinematic Universe. now. I'll give you top five. Okay, but. I'll take top five. Uh, so Wilkes, they make the trade, and Wilkes is in the truck. They're running away because the, the uranium rods are fake. And Wilkes turns on them. He pulls a gun on Carter. He's not going to choose backwards. He's going to, if he has to choose between her life and his, he knows what he chooses. He's basically saying tell me where the uranium rods are and then he he seems to have control over his powers this is not yeah, good because he goes through the wall but he was holding the gun earlier right and then yeah. he runs to the car and opens the door or closes it at least i mean he's touching the door one way or another the car door is being manipulated and he didn't by sink him. to the center of the earth no like you're waiting no. for well i'm not waiting for it because i know they're not going to do that but um I want to see you write a comic about a, a guy <laughs> afflicted with intangibility that flows to the middle of the, the center of the earth. I just can't get out. Because if he uses his power to become solid again, he'll just melt. Uh, you're the writer, not me. Uh, I'm just, I'm just, I, that, I do expect That's where I took it. That's where I'm taking it right now. Yeah, I do expect a co-writer uh, credit. Uh, story by. Story by credit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm good with that. Um, so You know what was said in my house at this point? What? The ship has sunk. <laughs> uh, or has sailed. Um, man, that was, uh, that was not a good thing for him to do. No, and it's going to create some attention coming up here soon. And again, this is why this is a great two-parter. Because yeah. two, part two is going to build on this. So from here we go over to Ma Masters and Thompson. And Masters is pleased with the dirt that Thompson has brought him. Um, but 
Thompson, you know, you can tell he's got oh, something's nagging at him. It's a thing called maybe a conscience or maybe just I'm not a complete idiot. You know, because the phone rings, master sends him away. Thompson listens in. Now he knows. Now he knows. But he also has amnesia because when he confronts Tom, uh, confronts masters who is going to get the stuff out of the, the safe, uh, the uranium rods out of the safe. Uh, we go to commercial. Uh, well, no, we don't go to commercial. We just he wakes up. He gets knocked out and he wakes up. He has amnesia. The uranium is gone. Fortunately, he wrote down the coordinates when he was listening in on the phone. They're able to get the, the coordinates to where this is going. But, hey, it's uh, Chekhov's memory destroyer that was hung on the wall. No, I just think it's reuse. It was used for great effect and to its own story purposes earlier. It I was, mean, it was. But now here it's, it's just re, it's recycling. It's before really. it wasn't necessary. Here it well, I guess it wasn't really necessary. It here was either. totally necessary when she was at Roxanne. And it wasn't really here. But it was used to good but, effect. But here. but here it allows us to do the following. We see him and he starts going, uh uh and then everybody I know was yelling out, He's been mind wiped. Mm-hmm. At least I was yelling that out. So now he wants in. He wants in on the mission. He wants he wants to go in and, and, and help take care of this. Rose and Amberly. Um, Samberly. Samberly. Amberly, because Amberson from 112263. Yeah, cool. I won't be watching that. Not relevant to my interest. You really, I think you would like it. I didn't like the book. It's nine episodes of a television show. Yeah. And well, not not if he had written sixteen hundred pages of a book. Yeah, he it should be an eight hundred page book. Well, Daniel, I think you'd like the show. You didn't yeah, even, I mean, you didn't even finish reading movie. we're not gonna argue about this. You didn't finish reading the book, but I think you could get through the TV show because hey, I episodes. spent some time finishing it by reading a Wikipedia article. Yeah, that's a really good way to get a nice good it feel for told- everything. It really did. Yeah, if you it say gave me so. the conclusion that I needed, Ben. Anyway, uh, we have Rose and Samberly talking about the Gamma Cannon, and uh, Jarvis comes to Rose, asks her to look after Anna. Rose promises to keep Anna safe. Jarvis hands her something that makes her realize what Jarvis thinks is going to be happening. But and I'll say this. And I said it in my house. This is a really interesting and, again, feels real scene because it reminds us that Jarvis was a member of the military. And this is the sort of thing that someone in a military situation would do. You put your affairs in order. He's gathered up all the things that he believes are important to Anna. I mean Anna. All the things that she's going to need to make sure that she has them. He's assembled them. And then he's put those last words. Yeah. Well, and this we're, – we're kind of bouncing around between two different Jarvises, and, and we don't get the idiot Jarvis in this episode. I was wondering when you'd bring that up, but this is definitely a different Jarvis. Yeah. We'll get back to the idiot Jarvis, but not here. Well, it's a different kind of idiot Jarvis. It is. It is, but not in this episode. Okay. So they go out to the foothills. They find the nuke from Lost, and – what <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about, but um, 
they're going to open the rift. And then when the rift opens, zero matter is going to pour out. They know it's going to work because there's voices that Wilkes and Frost have been hearing. Well, mostly Frost. I, I get but the he's sense hearing that... it, too. I think that he's trying to not hear it. He's trying to, you know, she's saying, don't you hear it? And he's trying to, you know, deny that it's there. But See, it's there. I get the sense that he wasn't hearing it when she was hearing it. And when he could hear it, she couldn't hear it anymore. Well, there is some of that. There's definitely moments where we know he hears it and she's not hearing it. But I, I do think there's some time where they're hearing it together. And then they open the rift and Wilkes gets pulled up into it and not Frost. And she's yelling at him like it's his fault. And I don't think he controlled it. No, he can't control it. But I don't know if she's yelling at him or if he's just a target for her anger that she thought this was going to be her. This was her power play, not his. He's not there for the power. He's there because he doesn't want it anymore. And I got the power. Oh, man. <clears throat> Sorry, so, I'm a professional, Ben. So then we get the big confrontation. Jarvis goes after Frost, shoots her. They shoot the gamma cannon, and it hits the rift. The rift goes away. Wilkes is there in the crater, I guess, underneath where the, the rift has exploded. Um. He does yeah. not look good, Ben. No. He no, is not photo he does not look good. And Manfredi and his men, they could just straight up kill Carter and Jarvis, but they don't because Frost believes she needs Carvis. Uh, Carvis. She needs – that's their ship name, I guess, Carvis. She needs Carter and Jarvis alive to manipulate and keep Wilkes on her side. Wait, did you did you skip why Manfredi would want to kill? In fact, we need you kind of skipped over a major theme here, which is Jarvis is an idiot. Uh no, we're not skipping over that. We're coming back to that. Okay. Because I said she he came down and he straight up shot Frost. Okay. Uh we need to come Stone back cold. to that. that. That's an element we need to talk about. Manfredi, what do you want to talk about there? Um, he wants to shoot the guy who shot his girlfriend. Yes. Except that she's not dead. Yep. Well, her jacket is now got a hole in it. Though. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a bummer. But yeah, let's talk about Jarvis here. He's out for revenge. He's experienced his loss and he's going to make sure that Whitney pays. He says it several times. He's out for revenge, but do you feel like he's out of character? No, because I feel like he is a husband acting out. I, I, I'm there. I mean, I feel like he's, I wouldn't call this idiot Jarvis here. This is no. poor decision-making Jarvis. This is acting out of emotion Jarvis, but this is not the C-3PO idiocy no, this... that we've been seeing that I can't remember who, who said that, but that um, one of our, I think it was on Facebook somewhere, someone. He is tall and lanky like Anthony Daniels. What's that? He is tall and lanky like Anthony Daniels. Yeah, yeah, but he's – I'm talking about specifically right here. It's not C-3PO type comic relief, which is what we had been getting uh, kind of slowly with Jarvis. I'm, I'm Although you like it. it. You you like seeing the refined British man look like an, an idiot uh, cliche. Um, I, I'm just not – I'm just not on board with that. 
I'm just saying you, you can keep playing that card if you want to, but I think Star Wars in concert is a delight, and if you have an opportunity to go, you should. Uh, that has nothing to do with using C-3PO and Jarvis as the same kind of comic relief. No, no, it doesn't. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same page with that. I just wanted to get it out there. I'm going to see. Uh, I'm going to see Star Trek in concert. Do they even have that? They do. They do. I'm going to see it uh, middle of March with my really? wife. That was my Christmas gift from my wife. That is. A, do they have a host? Uh, no, but it'll be a, a large screen presentation with the visuals, and it's then our South Bend Symphony Orchestra with some soloists who are traveling around or something like huh. that. Huh. It's weird. It's not the same as as what no. you may have seen. Where. At least yeah, I can't imagine that they're bringing a host into uh, to South Bend, Indiana. <laughs> Maybe when it hey, opens Anthony or premieres Daniels somewhere else. Wherever that show went. What's that? Yeah, Anthony Daniels went wherever Star Wars in concert went. He was there. Well, he found a good gig then. I really want to know. Is he going to be back now that they're going to redo it? Because, you know, now we have a whole new movie. And they just announced the other day that it officially is coming back on the Disneyland 60th anniversary special. Will it be Anthony Daniels? And if it's not, who who will be the new host? I don't know. Um, back to Agent Carter. Oh, Agent Carter. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're talking about. Yeah, I think we need to. I think that everybody should give us their feedback about Star Wars and concert if they've seen it and agree with me whether or not it's a delight. Also, some fantastic picture taking opportunities. But back to Agent Carter. Much better than Batman Live. <sighs> Are you sabotaging this on purpose? Wait. I see what you're doing here. Later on, there's a plot element with sabotaging the gamma cannon. And right now what you're trying to do is like some sort of performance art. Sabotaging a conversation. That's make what makes you feel better and makes you think like I'm not a complete idiot. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> see, I don't like coincidence though, Daniel. I want intentionality and that's what I'm trying to project on you. Maybe I'm just bringing chaos to your life, buddy. Maybe. So there is intentionality here, though. I mean, Jarvis goes, he he pulls the trigger. Uh, this is, I mean, do you call this murder? If she were I, to die, oof. if she were to die, this is not self-defense. This is not, oh, there it's was no war. other way of stopping her. This is, I am going down, I am pulling the trigger out of vengeance. It's a It's a revenge murder. It is a murder, and he did have intent, and he had motive, and he intended this all because along. she had to get what she, you know she had to pay. But yeah, it's definitely murder. And so that's where I wonder: oh, is this is this taking Jarvis to a place that we don't want to see him go? I, I, well, no, clearly it is taking him to a place <laughs> that we don't want to see him go. But is this taking him too far? Luckily, thanks to dark matter, we can totally forget about it. Right? Oh, because she's not dead. Yeah. So intent means nothing, but. No, no. Well, it does, but we're going <laughs> to totally forget about it now. Uh, and can he forget about it? Because that's the other thing is even if we accept that there is there is some grace here, uh, you know, the anger, the anguish and the pain, you know. And and just the thirst for vengeance, the thirst for for what he wants is justice, uh, an eye for an eye kind of justice. Even if we accept all of that, when he, when all is said and done, 
he has to have some dark nights coming ahead where he realizes I did that. Well, even if so, she did, even if she isn't dead. So how do I do this? I don't know. Just gonna have to say it, Daniel. Say it. Say it, Daniel. Put me in my well, place, Daniel. Well, I, it's not putting it in your place. It's just getting to places that we haven't gone yet because we haven't heard Peggy say these things yet. But it's really the Edwin Jarvis story arc where season one, you know, he meets Peggy Carter. He has adventures and they're entertainment diversions from his ho-hum life, from the typical. And and now he's doing it more. Now he's partially doing it because of friendship and the fact that he cares for Peggy and he wants to help and he's a helpful person. But again, it's the idea of an adventure that's an exciting thing. And I don't think for Peggy they're really adventures. No, they aren't. I mean that is clearly a conversation that they have. And it's a great conversation. It's a great conversation. And so I think between Anna being shot and the loss of her fertility and the fact that he intentionally shot someone to kill them, to murder them, not in an act of battle, not in an act of self-defense, but intentionally went out to shoot someone as an act of murder. I think these things, the idea of the price is going to stay with him. And I think this could be the end of Edwin Jarvis's adventures, to be blunt. I think that this could be the his arc, that the, the price of these adventures is, to be blunt, just too much. I mean, even for Peggy, he calls it out that for Peggy, there's a price, too. But she's already and, paid a lot of the price. Well, other people pay the price, if you were to ask Edwin. I think there's some truth to that, too. But for him, the price of adventure... Could be too much. Well, and the price of this series could be too much. And so that's also another reason why his adventure might be done here. Because we're not getting a season three. Then no, we don't know that. Maybe, yet. maybe. You know, here's the thing about that. When you say that the show's expensive, you know what's expensive? Legends of Tomorrow. It's expensive. A different kind of expensive. Th- Although show, they've done I a mean, good job. I mean, they're spending all their time he- out here in the, you know, out in the, the foothills around Los Angeles or whatever, uh, they don't have to do anything to dress that up other than maybe digitally remove some power lines and and rent the right trucks. And, and they're, they've been really smart with their special effects. They haven't pushed them too far. They've spent their special effects dollars wisely. Explosion here and explosion there. You know, a little dark matter floating. Yeah. Unlike 11 63 <sighs> where there's a couple scenes where they are like recreating whole cityscapes and cars coming in and off on the freeway, and you're not seeing that as much, or that kind of thing as much here. So we go from this where our two Jarvis and, and Car- Carver, Carver, Carter, Carver, good, grief. Agent George Washington Carver, Iowa State University alumni. Not that one. Um, they've been captured, and that's where we start off. Well, sort of. We start off with black and white. It's the SSR offices and her brother is there and she is there and they're talking about that it's black and white and not very glamorous. And then I, okay, I don't know what you feel about this, Daniel. For me, this scene, especially she's walking through and it's green. And I wrote down, 
because she walks into this kind of diner thing. I, I wrote down it, it's Nighthawks by way of the Wizard of Oz infused with gamma radiation. And so you have that Nighthawks vibe, but there's a green tint to things. But it's also her walking from black and white into color. And it's just I feel like they're referencing like so much. And then Angie and Wilkes and Sousa and even Jarvis come and they're oh, and even Dottie come and they're, and they're all part of a big musical number that is Carter's fever dream after she's been knocked unconscious and thrown into the back of a truck. It's a hot mess of song and dance. That's not what I would call it, Daniel. Do you know what I would call this? Jarvelous. I would call it Jarvelous. That is exactly what I would call it. Um, yeah, this is, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it explores, you know, what is she thinking? The one thing that I wish it wasn't is that I wish it wasn't just or didn't spend so much time on the whole choosing which man. You know, just I, I see your point. I have a different thought on it. I might get a little heat for this. Okay. It was really nice to see that our actors had some song and dance background. Mm -hmm. I think they held up pretty well. Yeah, okay. But was this scene... Really in the tone of Agent Carter? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Doesn't... You mean the, the, uh, the show in general? Yeah. I mean, did it really fit our tone? Because it's really kind of... I mean, I guess the Captain America stuff is really the one place where we've seen song and dance. And that very much fit in. I just... I... It's Hollywood, first of all. This is where she... They, they've relocated there. But, you know, you remember there were a couple episodes in first season where they were referencing the radio drama adventures of of Peggy Carter or whatever. Uh, not Peggy Carter, but whatever the, the name was they were using. Um, this this totally fits the tone uh, that they've set up of this kind of not quite comedy, but action adventure. Uh, but with weight, there is an added weight. To there, there's consequence, and that's what we talk about in, this, in the rest of this episode. And I feel like, if nothing else, this is a commentary on what we've had of this. You know, is it this bright and glitzy and choreographed song and dance, where you have just choreographed violence and, and fight scenes and chase scenes and stuff like that, but with weight and with consequence. I I don't feel like this is out of tone at all, but I could see Daniel. Uh, I, I can see your point where, yeah, I, I'm just glad the whole episode wasn't like this, you know, like, like the, the musical episode I, of Buffy, the vampire slayer or whatever. Yeah. It, it makes some sense the way it's set up. And again, we got to see Angie from Hydra just to remind us that Hydra is, in fact, everywhere, including your dreams. How terrifying is that? Not very terrifying at all when you consider it's just Angie. Just Angie. From Hydra. Dottie was there, though. Yeah. I'll always be stuck in your head or always be in your head. They wake up. They're in the truck. They escape from the truck because Carter has spy stuff. That's cool. S Sousa, Thompson, Samberly. Uh, SSR is coming and Thompson has a plan. Oh, this can't be good. It actually is good. 
because the SSR arrives and the uh, uh, Souza and Samberly have guns and they're pointed at Thompson. And that tells the goons that, you know, Thompson is still on their side. Although they're supposed to kill him, he kind of sweet talks his way out of it. But yeah, I, I like the plan. I like that they have to trust Thompson. It's either get killed or work with Thompson. Now, here's the question, and this question is going to come up a lot here. What is his motivation in helping them? And there's there's a lot that's going on in this episode where you Thompson could be going one direction or leaning in another direction. So that's that's something we're going to keep an eye on. But um, back to Carter and Jarvis, this is where we get back to kind of C-3PO Carter. I mean, C-3PO Jarvis and R2-D2 Carter. It is. It's the Tatooine scene where C-3PO throws his fit. R2-D2 decides I'm going to go off in this direction and C-3PO, fine, I'm not going to go with you. But then uh, for Jarvis and Carter, they don't have a, a sand crawler to bring them back together. So Jarvis just well, has to I go with Carter. I'm going to be honest, as a podcast I listened to today pointed out, Star Wars is like printing money for, for Disney. Like printing money. But Agent Carter isn't necessarily. So <laughs> we'll find out what's going to happen later. But he throws a fit. He throws a pity party for himself. And they walk. They're going to walk, and she is walking with determination in her steps. Determined footsteps. That's what she has with her feet. Meanwhile, Wilkes wakes up in Manfredi's, Manfredi's car, doesn't feel well, doesn't look good. They stop. They find out that Carter and Jarvis are gone, which is probably the best thing that could happen for them. The but, hot wire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, early, early mouse hole. But from here, you know, Manfredi, he's getting frustrated and he should be. Cause I think he's just hangry. Well, maybe. But they've got this guy who is threatening to blow up, like explode. And I'd be freaking out a little bit here. But the other thing I was thinking about with Manfredi is I'd be freaking out anytime Frost tried to kiss me oh he's quite comfortable he is absolutely fine with her just plain kissing him touching her her skin to his skin i guess maybe it doesn't matter to him because he knows she doesn't have to touch him anymore her power can reach out to him and so just because she's touching him doesn't mean you know she's she's going to absorb him into uh, her black goo. He knows all about the rat interior. experiments. He knows she's learned a little control. Yeah, but I'm just like, dude, I get that you like her, but hey, you got to make sacrifices. I sometimes. guess so. I guess he liked, liked her. Yeah. After this is where we get Carter, Carter's speech with, with Jarvis, where, you know, she's, She's talking about the, the missions are larks and just passing the time, but there's consequences and your wife survived. You can go on not knowing anything about loss. And it's that line where she says, you can go on living your life knowing nothing of loss, 
where he says she can't have children. And that's where I wrote my note, note that um, he he's you, you almost have the impression that he's mourning the loss, not of the living, but he's mourning the loss of future life that that they won't be bringing into the world and that maybe they had talked about bringing into the world. And that's a like I said, that's a very real pain that a lot of people that I know recently have, have been very honest about and it's just it's a very real thing and yeah so they they both have their their points and they both make their points very well as you know Jarvis you know he he just she he's the only she's the only person that he has told this to and again it's out of anger it's in an argument but She's someone he can trust. She's still a safe person, a safe ear to say that to. And they can say these things to each other because they are friends. Yeah. Even though they really hate each other right now. But that happens yeah. every once in a while with friends. There's moments where you hate each other. It's the safest place. And so it's easy to act out. Exactly. We cut to commercial because there's a truck coming. When we come back to commercial, uh, Peggy has fainted off camera. <laughs> and uh, since it happened off camera, we know she has. She's really clearly fainted. hot. Uh, it's a good, it's a good fake out mission type of uh, action adventure thing, uh, where the truck comes. Their plan works. They think that she's unconscious, and she's able to get the the drop on them. Um, and speaking of dropping, she plans to drop him off with his wife. She's not interested in having Jarvis with her on these missions anymore. Back at the There's SS. Been a price. Yeah. Yeah. Back at the SSR, Sousa is alive and Masters is confused. But what do you think of the story that, 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 uh, that Thompson gives them? I like this this works for me as a great excuse for them to still be alive and for masters to accept it he says that samberly and souza can fix the gamma cannon but because then if they fix the gamma cannon yes frost could figure out how to fix it but masters won't have it if she does and this way he has the upper hand on frost i like it i like it a lot it works and masters goes goes for it, but I don't feel like masters is an idiot believing a stupid story that is poorly written by a screenwriter. It works for me. Does it work for you? Yeah. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I just don't have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, clearly. I mean, when I got a lot to say, you'll know it. Yeah. I'll go make some burgers when, when that happens. I haven't had to make any burgers really much here this episode. Yeah, I thought I've had a few few uh, <laughs> high horses here and there. Well, you know, the good thing, Daniel, is that even a jerk on a high horse can come off it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great line. I don't know if I'll ever get a chance to use it. but it, You just did. I mean, in real life. Oh. Where it matters. Because I don't think I could ever say that to a person that this would apply to. I've been trying for years to use jerk store. Yeah. They, since you're here, you know, it must be out at the jerk store. So. Yeah, the, the jerk store called because they ran out of you. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
That's that's funny. Uh, in college, uh, I had a friend who had a band called Jerk Store. So, mm-hmm. yeah, college punk band. Anyway, uh, we're going to go from here to the lab, and we're going to have some double crosses and, and turnarounds. But there's a lab now that uh, Manfredi has, has set up in a waste management facility. And Wilkes, he can't hold on. He can't fight it. And Frost wants to take the zero matter from Wilkes. And she takes the um, the giant needle that used to have adrenaline in it for Pulp Fiction. She takes it. She makes it bigger and jabs it into Wilkes's chest to pull the dark matter out. It's not coming. They can't get zero matter wait, out wait. of Wilkes. It's from Pulp Fiction? I thought it was the big needle from The Rock. You've stabbed straight into your heart. Well, you know, it, it could be either one. Whichever one they use, they actually took it and made a bigger model from it for it. Because that is one nasty device that she is plunging into his chest. It, it made me squirm. Just a little bit. I don't like needles, dude. Well, why would anyone like needles? I mean... Because they—it's okay to not be afraid to of them, but healthy medicine. But they break your skin, cause you to bleed. They put things in there, and if there's any air in that, it's gonna like give you blood poisoning. And ugh. and I don't even really have a phobia. I I can handle it. I just don't like it. Wow, that got weird. Ugh. So. Well, let's go back to Peggy. She marches into Master's office, gives Masters a beatdown, <laughs> but gets stopped by everyone, including Souza and Samberly. Even Samberly is like, you can't do this. Um, and we get some good uh, Masters has a good confrontation with with Carter here. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have to kill her. He says, I, I, I won't kill you because I don't have to. We have to do this. The only way out of uh, the only way out of a stalemate is together. And that's what he says. They're in a stalemate. They are going to give the gamma can <laughs> to Frost and Masters is going to use it on her. That's their plan. But she wants the cannon now. So Thompson. He goes to Frost. And he lays everything on the table, tells her that Masters plans to use the cannon on her. And so this is where I'm wondering, what are we getting here? You know, what what's his goal? She asks if he wants Vernon's job and he says, no, he wants to see it on the council. What? And I my well, note, we know he's a power player. Yeah, but this. No, he's got a sacrifice coming. He's going to be dead. Remember? Uh, yeah, maybe, but not yet. Death watch. Yeah, you can keep him on the death watch, but I'm just wondering what is his play here? Who he's, he's double crossing at least two people here. He's got three parties and he's trying to play all of them. Uh, it's just a matter of one of them. He's, he's going to align himself with, but they, go to take the, the cannon and this is where they realize that Thompson has turned on them. This is Sousa's car has been sabotaged just like you are 
uh, conversation, trying to sabotage. Um, and we find out from from Samberly that the Gammon Cannon is a bomb. Thompson is going to use it to blow up everybody, including the innocent people who are there. Um, yeah, man. Now, from here, we have a nice, cute conversation with Anna and Jarvis. And she has lots of questions about the team and what they were doing, what's going on. And uh, here's where we get another character beat. And, and I want to I want to park here a little bit, Daniel. Okay, let's park. She's, Put a pin in it. She tells him, "You're not being truthful. You can tell me the truth. You're not being truthful." He answers, "But I am being honest." And then she says, "You know, you need to be out there helping Carter. There's legions of doctors and nurses here. What does what does Peggy have?" And then again, so you're not being truthful but I am being honest. And then she says, it does you no good to protect me from the truth. Cause you're a terrible liar. Um, what do you think about this? I I'm, I'm trying to figure out this, this, uh, little, that exchange, you're not being truthful, but I am being honest. Is that, is that kind of how he's, he's getting around? Like he, she asked was what's wrong. And he said, nothing's wrong. You're perfect. And I feel like he's not being truthful, but he is being honest. I think that's a good explanation. I love it. And he has admitted to his friend, maybe his best friend, Peggy, he's not being on it. You know, he, he's a coward. He doesn't want to tell her these things. And so, I mean, but again, he is honest. He loves her very much. He's thrilled that she's alive. She's the most important relationship in his world. And, and this is, this is, I think the point where, this pushes them up into that, that, that top slot above, above the Urix. And I just, I like their interactions. Uh, see, I preferred her interaction where she told him, go write the story. Be you. Dang the, dang the consequences. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's, it's not a good, uh, wow. It's interesting how, how close they are to each other as you, yeah. You have the one in the in the the hospital bed pushing the other one to go and and be better. Well, but one's pushing do more. You know, go help your friend. Mrs. Yurick's pushing him to be him. Yeah, yeah, but I I think there's an element of Anna pushing him to to be him. A friendly him, a helpful him. Yeah. Well, that that's who he is, though. So we go back to the the lab and here we get some Carter moments because they're going to blow up the lab with that bomb or Thompson's going to do that. They think they can jam the signal. So Thompson can't do that, but they haven't jammed it yet. And so Carter's going in anyway. It's one of those. Sousa turns to argue with Samberly. He turns around and Carter is gone. And she just goes straight in goes after Wilkes. Wilkes confesses to her that it wasn't zero matter that was pushing him and that had him turn the gun on her. Um, They argue, but then he's able to get the door closed and lock it so that she can't pull him out of there. And he turns around and leaves. Carter needs to get out of there. Um, Thompson finds out that they were thwarted his plans and he gets them to unthwart his plans. He, can set off the bomb. Uh, Wilkes zero matter cracks all over his body. 
interrupts um, as Frost is getting ready to kill Thompson because Thompson a mindless one. No, I kid. I kid. Because <laughs> Thompson has tried to use the the cannon and it didn't work. Um, yeah, or rather, uh, Masters tried to use the cannon and it didn't work. Um, yeah, and Wilkes goes off before the bomb has a chance to go off, but. This is a cliffhanger. This is a mighty fine cliffhanger. Mighty fine. What's going to happen to Wilkes? Is he gone? Where does the zero matter take them? And how powerful is Frost going to be when she, in classic comic book villain form, absorbs all of the energies that Wilkes is going to give off? These questions and more will be answered next episode. I hope, I think. That's it. There it is. Should we talk some about Thompson, the maker of hard decisions? Yeah. Yeah. He's the guy who has to make the hard choices. Well, like, and like killing so, an innocent to destroy an evil. To kill. Well, and see, Sousa calls it out at times. Thompson calls it out. Wilkes calls it out. He's not innocent. He, as he said, he mm. fully did this of his own volition. He chose to to protect him over her on his own, and it's self preservation. And but, but I wouldn't. That doesn't make him a force for evil necessarily. Well, but it doesn't make him a force for good either. No, no, no. He's it doesn't. not necessarily an innocent in this situation. He's helped put himself there, and he's the entire episode has talked about how he needs to be away from people. Something needs to be done. So you could say, you know, you're a Star Trek fan, Ben. You know, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few. He's the few. And Thompson has weighed that and decided that, you know, Wilkes, in order to save everyone else, needs to be killed. Wilkes has weighed that. I mean, that's where his whole thing has been. You have to get me. You can't take me around people. You have to get me out into a, a place where it's not populated. And he closes the door and locks it so that Carter cannot get to him and cannot drag him away. And let's throw in the fact that again, Thompson, the man who makes hard decision one way or another, um, Vernon's going to die. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Great. You're not going to let me set off the bomb. Um, you want Whitney to be gone. Okay. So there's one of the people I've already set Vernon up to be killed. So that just leaves Wilkes who again, Wilkes has made his own choice. Yeah. Overall, I mean, we, we're not at the end of the series yet. We have one more episode before the, the end of this series. And, you know, as far as a, a third season or not, um, doesn't really matter at this point. We're, we're looking at the end of this story, this arc. But overall, I've I've enjoyed where this, this story has been taking us. And I've enjoyed what they've done with change for the characters with decisions for the characters um surprises from anna and rose who were pretty much background characters last season uh to the point where anna was literally just a voice last season um yeah we've got i'm just i'm really enjoying myself and i'm sad to see it go but I'm partially sad that we lost out on two opportunities to use the new music. And 
but we're still getting 10 hours of television, which is what two more than I thought we were getting. So it's true. It's true. Yeah. All right. Well, should we move on to some listener feedback? Let's do it. I, I'm wondering if we'll have it. Uh, we we do have a little bit. I just have to hear. SSR field report. All right, we just have a couple here, Daniel. Um, okay. Let's see. First, here we have um, uh, Agent Stu from WP. Subject. Ben is not going to be interested at all in this email. <laughs> uh, actually, subject is Deadpool. First things first, this movie was great. I was surprised to see how much heart the story had. I was expecting more ultraviolence than heart, and I think we were able to strike the perfect balance. Secondly, Marina Bakari I can never read her name correctly. Bakaron? Bakarian? Um, anyway, uh, holy chimichangas. And lastly, did you get my voicemail before I went in? Yeah, that was fun. It was either the Merc with the Mouth or How to Be Single. Between you and me, I'm glad I had Wade Wilson instead of Rumor Wilson. <laughs> I think that was a good choice. All right, guys, make mine Marvel. Yes, we did get your email or your voicemail. Um, yeah, I don't know why we didn't use it. Well, we were having problems with the computers. Well, there was a lot of problems, but problems are there's problems and then there's problems. You know what I mean? Yeah. And apparently, my uh, Mrs. Butcher saw how to be uh, how to be single, and she said it was you know a little not as good as she wanted it to be, <laughs> as compared to her other reaction, which was funny, weird, I, and I, I, gory. I, I do like the Wilson connection, though. That's fun. The other email is from Agent Kurt, and the subject is life of the party and monsters. He says, "Howdy, gentlemen. How are you?" And and I would say, Kurt. I'm doing very well, thank you. Uh, I'm fine. Yeah. Agent Agent Kurt here to talk about some Agent Carter. I hope this email gets you in time. I just wanted to talk about episodes six and seven, and I have so much I could say about these great episodes, but I'll try to be as concise as possible. Well, Life of the Party, really good with the focus on revealing secrets, uneasy alliances, and making tough moral decisions. A fair amount of stuff took place in this episode, with Wilkes devising a plan to make himself whole again, Peggy requiring Dottie's help to obtain zero matter from Whitney, Whitney taking over the council, and Jack Thompson having to turn against Peggy in order to ensure not only his loyalty to Vernon Masters, but also secure the safety of his career. I also liked how this episode addressed Peggy and Sousa's subtle slash not-so-subtle feelings for each other because of Violet's discovery beforehand. It was clear that there's still hope for these two, and Wilkes can see that he's now part of a love triangle. Oh, yeah. I don't know if I was supposed to read it that way, but that's just the way. Anyway. It sounded appropriate. Okay. Oh, and the return of Dottie was awesome. Her interaction with Peggy was so much fun, and I liked how they were aware of each other's character traits. I also loved Dottie's interaction with Jarvis and Wilkes and uh, Bridget Regan and... And Bridget Reagan just kills it with her energy and charm. Oh, and Whitney. I knew Calvin was setting her up before the council meeting, but after Calvin had men try to choke her from a distance, I also knew those guys and Calvin were goners. She sucked them up, killed her hubby and half the council members. This lady has assumed control and at the moment as unlimited power. Sorry for the Range of the Sith oh. reference, but I love that quote, Ben. <laughs> And then we go from good episode to another. Monsters has to be noted for one key factor. Whitney Frost got Dottie Underwood. 
Vernon was playing interrogator and Dottie wasn't having any of it, but Whitney came in, grabbed Dottie and filled her with zero matter and then broke her. As witnessed before, Dottie's one tough lady from the Black Widow program, but what Whitney did was install fear into Dottie and the look of shock and desperation in Dottie's face was surprising and incredible. The woman even shed a tear. I don't think Dottie was capable of that. Or I didn't think Dottie was capable of that. Beyond that, this episode was filled with a lot of good stuff. I loved how this episode brought up that Peggy had two men chasing after her affections and she didn't know how to deal with it. The fact that poor Susan mysteriously got beat up by masked men, but then got relieved from his position as the head of the LA division of the SSR by Vernon, or that Whitney's made plans, asserted her dominance over other people and discovered new things about Zero Matter and Wilkes. That speech she gave about the reason why Wilkes was hired and the tough realities that women and black people faced at that period in time felt not only appropriate, but powerful too. Oh, and finally, poor Anna. She was literally in the wrong place at the wrong time, and you could see that it broke Jarvis. That final moment with Jarvis and Peggy together in the hospital scene spoke volumes about their friendship and the pain of their current situation. Well, hopefully that was okay for you to read. (laughs) This is me. Um, It was Agent Kurt, um, because I just did. Uh, Keep up your awesome work. Agent Kurt, out. And yeah, thank you, Agent Kurt and... I think uh, I think it's time for us to say thank you to our listener, listeners, uh, for I think listening. There is more than one. <laughs> um, well, I know there's at least more than one because we just read emails from two. But uh, thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us and talking about things with us on Facebook and on Twitter and, um, yeah, thank you. And I think it's time for us to wrap up this episode and. Next episode will be a Jessica Jones episode, and then we'll get right back into the uh, the series or season finale of Agent Carter. And next Wednesday-ish. We'll see when it happens. So, you never know. It. You never know. Yeah. Yep. I got, I got 99 problems, and The Flash is one of them. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about it. So, Daniel, you have any words of advice? wisdom advice for our listeners out there you know i i really feel like you're putting me on the spot and and i'm just kind of frustrated right at the moment i ben i'm hot i got sand in my shorts and i want to go home Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard us, now we'd love to hear from you. Go to welcometolevel7.com slash feedback where you can contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one seventy seven fifty five level 7 You can also join the lively conversation going on at facebook.com slash welcometolevel7 or connect with us on Twitter where we're level7pod. And remember, the 7 is spelled out. Our theme music is Little Lily Swim by Tritachion, found at soundcloud.com slash tri-tachion. Ben? Yeah. So you've been talking to me for the last hour and 18 minutes. Is there something you would rather be doing? Yeah, I'd rather be watching The Flash. I knew it. (laughs) But you have a good reason to want to get it done as soon as possible. What? What's I'm happening? Very, very, very scared because the the identity of Zoom has been released. And how long before it comes across my Facebook feed? Who Zoom is? I don't know. I don't know. And I mean, I, I watch the kids. 
I'm just assuming I'm going to get it spoiled for me well, because I'm not going to be watching it for another, what, year and a half probably. Yeah, you haven't even seen season one. No, I haven't. Because I've been watching things like 11, 22, 63. And, um, I'm totally invested in The Flash and, and Zoom. And who is Zoom? And, and Just nobody spoil me, okay? <laughs> yeah, you, you're worried about that. No one, no one who is listening right now is going to spoil you. I guarantee no one who's listening right now is going to be so, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but be so bad in that word that I don't have It's totally sense. Hydra. It would be totally Hydra to do that. Uh, yeah, I could see that. So when are you going to get to watch it? Maybe tomorrow. So hours you after have to this. Make it through to... a whole day. It'll be two days. Well, you've already made it through one. A good point. You've already made it through one, Daniel. That is the positive here. But here's the thing. When it when it comes to my worries, Ben, and all the things that go through my mind, um what happened and what's true is two different things. <laughs> uh should I do this here? He has to have some dark nights coming ahead where he realizes I did that. Well, even if so, she did, even if she isn't dead. So how do I do this? I don't know. You're just going to have to do it. Say it. Say it, Daniel. Answer my question. Put me in my place. Nothing's happening. Are you there? I can't hear you. I just have to hear. SSR field report. All right. I have been logged out of my page here. So, ah, editing is happening.